0: If you have your Bibles or going to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, we'll read verses 12 and 13. We certainly do miss our young people uh, being here this morning and the group that has taken them there. Uh, But we're so grateful that they can go and be a part of this district function, grateful that the God is moving among them. Amen. What's been happening here on Wednesday, they're feeling it up there, and I believe they're going to be impacted for eternity by what's going on in those few days that they've had an opportunity to be there. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 12, it says, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thy hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day, to observe and to do them, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. A couple of Sundays ago we preached a message titled Forgotten Favor, and it's available on our podcast if you missed it. But today I'd like to follow up on that message and preach from this title, Flourishing Favor. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for your spirit, Jesus. You have been here, Lord, from the very first, God. Lord, you have been weaving, God, your goodness and your mercy, God, into our thinking from the very beginning of this service this morning. God, we're grateful that you pour out of your good treasure, God. We're grateful that you pour into your people, God. We're grateful for your provision and your power that works in our life, God. Even when there's moments when we don't understand, God, I pray now that this word, God, that is anointed, God, I pray, Lord, it would find a lodging place in our heart right now. In Jesus' name, everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I think it's safe to say, and we've said it before, that our world is a broken place. Our world needs healing. The headlines in the news, they only point to the world's lack of discipline, their lack of direction, and their lack of discretion. Our world is rapidly headed for destruction and rapidly headed for devastation with no thought of hitting the brakes, just full forward as fast as we can get there. If we, if you and I were to simply look on the surface of what's happening all around us, it certainly could be disheartening. We could certainly get discouraged about what is happening. Such a grim report could leave a real negative mark on your faith. It could leave a real scar on your belief system in this sad and sinful and sorry state of our world right now. It is absolutely imperative that you know one thing before you go any further today. That is that you are Blessed In seasons of bad news, you are blessed. In seasons of good news, you are blessed. In seasons of problems, you are blessed. In seasons of peace, you are blessed. In seasons of plenty, you are blessed. And in seasons of poverty, yes, you still are blessed. As the people of God, sometimes we mistakenly tie our state in life and tie the state of the world to the favor of God. That's an unhealthy thing to do. We look around and we come to the conclusion that if things aren't good in the world that means that uh, if things are good in the world that means that God loves me that means that God's blessing me that means that God's favor but on the other hand if things aren't going well if the news isn't good if there's been something happening in my life that means that God doesn't favor me well that is a lie from the enemy in your life the fact that we're having problems just means that we are simply human The problem is if we tie the favor of God to a certain state of our life, of a certain state of the world, we will most certainly miss the ever-present Spirit of God that is working in our life. Jesus said this in John 16 in verse 33. He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But I'm glad he didn't stop there. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I love the Amplified Classic. He says, I told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you might have tribulation. In the world you might have trials. In the world you might have distress. In the world you might experience frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That, my friend, is an excellent promise from God. And he's still doing it for us this morning. You will experience trouble. Yes, we will. We will experience trials. Oh, that is so true. We will experience tests of our faith of every kind and every variety. That is true. That's just the reality of life here on earth. Things will happen to come to challenge our faith. I believe the songwriter was going through a few things when there were trying situations when he penned the words that we sing here, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. The Apostle Paul, he had been through a few things in his life. He wrote in Romans chapter 8, and verse 31, he said, For what shall we say to these things? These trials, these tests, these moments of opposition, this battle for our soul. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Deuteronomy, our text is Deuteronomy chapter 28. It gives us a word from God that Moses related to the children of Israel this is just the beginning of that chapter the first six verses it says and it shall come to pass if thou shalt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth and these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee we were just singing about this You see, well, times we we feel trouble in our life, and we feel tests in our life, and sometimes we feel as though we're running for our lives literally in that sense. God's blessing even then is about to overtake us. It's important that somebody understand this right now because your faith is going to be so tested in the next coming several weeks. God is about to take you by surprise. You said, I was in the middle of this problem. I didn't think there could be any good come out of it. I couldn't see God in the middle of it all, but there's something that's coming up. Goodness of God is running behind you, coming up behind your back, about to overtake you, and you're going to say, I don't understand how it happened. I can't analyze in my humanity how it ever Took place, but God was there all the time. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of thy God, blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field, blessed shall the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kin, the sheep, the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou come in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou go out. The message puts it like this, if you listen obedient to the voice of God and heartily obey all His commandments, I will command you today, uh, as I command you today, God, your God, I like that, will place you on high, high above all the nations of the world. All of these blessings will come down on you, listen to this, and spread beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God again. God's blessing inside the city, God's blessing in the country. God's blessing on your children, the crops, your land, your young livestock, your calves, your herds, your lambs, your flocks. God's blessing on your basket. God's blessing on your bread bowl. God's blessing in your coming in and God's blessing when we go out. We like to read scriptures like this about being blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed when we come in and blessed when we go out. And we mistakenly associate the blessing of God with the absence of trouble. when we should be associating the blessing of trouble with the presence of God. The blessing of trouble, what are you saying, pastor? I'm saying James wrote about it. He said in James 1 and 2, he said, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Another version says, My brothers and sisters, fellow believers, when you have many kinds of troubles and trials and testing, you should be full of joy. In fact, consider it all Pure joy. Well, I don't understand that. The Apostle James isn't making a whole lot of sense there, Pastor. Why should I consider trouble joy? Because that means God's up to something. That means that God's working. That means that God is present. That means that God is planning and processing for your life. That means that God's about to surprise you and overtake you. The book in... In the book of 1 Chronicles, we witness a a, a pause right in the middle of the genealogies of chapter 4. You've been there, you've been reading your bread chart, and you come to the the begats, and the begat, and the begat, and the begat, and you think, oh man, I don't think I'm ever going to get through this. So, in case you didn't read it, you're going to miss something. Here we're given some unique information, and this is why we never skip that in our Bible reading. The, the writer pauses to tell us about a man named Jabez. It's in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 4, and begins at verse 9. Up to this, it's just been so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And you're falling asleep in your lazy boy chair, but all of a sudden you come to verse 9, and it says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the Lord of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thou hand would be with me, and thou wouldest keep me from evil, and that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. So here we're introduced to this character who we don't have a whole lot of information about, Jabez. And We learn in the middle of this, we learn one important thing, that his name meant pain. His name meant suffering, it meant trouble, and it meant heartache. Unfortunately, the name suited him too well. You see, in these ancient times, a person's name was so much more significant than it is today. In fact, their name caused people to tend on to take the traits of their given name. For instance, Jacob means deceiver, and if you study the Bible, you'll find that Jacob cheated and deceived people that even were as close to him as his family. On the other hand, the name Joshua means savior, and I'm sure that courage and hope filled the heart of Joshua when he knew he was called to deliver God's people and to rescue them, to be a savior in a sense to them. Knowing the significance that that name carried, think about how Jabez must have felt. Every time someone said, hey, Jabez, they were saying, hey, trouble, hey, sorrow, hey, pain. Reminded of who he was again and again and again. And they were really prophesying more defeat and more failure for his life. We don't know why Jabez's parents named him this. Maybe it was because his father had abandoned the mother Maybe she was so hurt in childbearing that she named him that. Maybe she was angry and difficult about some situations, and maybe she had a difficult pregnancy or childbirth with him, and she, uh, she named him pain and trouble and heartache. You, you can imagine that Jabez, what Jabez had to put up with at JMH. He went to Judah Memorial High School, I'm told. Some of the other students probably gave him a hard time. Hey, there's Jabez. Here comes trouble. What's up with you? Your parents must really love you, given a name like trouble and hurt and heartache. They must have been really happy when you came into the fold. You see, his name could have put limits on his life. It could have affected his self-image. It could have made him feel insecure. It could have caused him to feel inferior. But the scripture says that Jabez was more honorable than the others in his family. The others that had already been listed in this list of begats. In fact, he rose above those expectations. It doesn't tell us much about Jabez except one little prayer that he dared to pray. From this prayer, we can see that there was something special about him. We can see that he realized he wasn't who the world says he was. He wasn't what his name labeled him as being. There was something about his faith in spite of his rough upbringing, in spite of being heckled at school, in spite of his self-image constantly being attacked. Jabez dared to look up to heaven and say, God, I'm asking that you would bless me indeed. Think of the nerve of that prayer of Jabez. God, I've had a lot of things come against me. I've got to be honest, life hasn't treated me fairly. Things have been rough. I've been attacked. I've been abused. I've been belittled. There's things in my life that I'm not proud of, but God, you're a good God. And I know that you have a great plan for my life. So I'm asking you, God, to bless me indeed. Indeed. He didn't just ask God to bless him, but he asked God to bless him indeed. Other version says, I'm asking you to greatly bless me. This is significant and should speak to you and I who are here today. Jabez wasn't saying, God, I'm asking you to bless me with just a little bit. God, I'm asking you just to bless me with an average blessing. God, I just want the ordinary. No, this prayer, it was a bold prayer. God, was, uh, God I'm asking you for abundance. God, I'm asking you for an overflow. God, bless me indeed. Bless me greatly. Let your, flour- let your favor flourish in my life. I don't know how you feel about it, but I love his boldness. Many would say, what right did he have to pray that kind of prayer? His life was pain. His life was trouble. His life was hurt. He had gall to say that to God. He was supposed to be destined for heartache. He was supposed to be destined for a life of continual pain. He was supposed to live a life that was sidelined by trouble. He was supposed to be defeated. He was supposed to be depressed, and it doesn't seem like he's that. But Jabez knew that God did not define him by the locale in which he was from or by the label that was put on his life. He said, it doesn't matter where I came from. It doesn't matter what somebody has named me. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. It doesn't matter what the world says about me. It doesn't even matter what my family says about me. Jabez says, I'm blessed. I'm anointed. I'm loved. I'm favored. I've got a God who desires me. Jabez didn't say, just bless me greatly, but he also said, God, enlarge my territory. He was calling on a faithful God, a merciful God, a grace-filled God, a gracious and a giving and a loving God. God, go beyond the norm. God, would would you take me beyond my borders? Would you take me to a place where there's extraordinary anointing? God, would you let your abundance overflow into my life, from your throne right into my life? God, give me flourishing favor. The last thing we hear from Jabez is found at the end of verse 10. Surely God would say, Jabez, quit bothering me. Don't you know what your name means? Jabez, your past tells me that you're not going to be blessed. Your own parents said you were headed for trouble and heartache. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, and and God granted his request. That lets me know that today we can take a lesson that God wants to bless us with not just a little, but he wants to bless us with flourishing favor. That is the kind of God we serve. If you dare to pray bold prayers, God will do bold things. You may have had a rough beginning. Maybe you weren't treated fairly in life. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you've experienced some setbacks. But if Jabez were here today, he would tell you, please don't settle for facts when you can have favor. Everything about the reality of his life said he shouldn't have been blessed. Jabez says, no, no. I'm not having any of that. I belong to God. I belong to a generous God. I belong to a giving God. I belong to a God who wants to favor me. I'm not going to settle where the world tells me I should settle. I'm not going to tell me what the label says on my chest that I should be. That's not who I am. So don't settle for the facts when you can have favor. The facts say no, but God says yes. If you dare ask, God will bless you indeed. And if we're honest, some of you have had some of these things that Jabez had attached to his life, attached to your life. Labels of abuse and addiction. Labels of past attitudes and failures and faults. But I want you to know that really means nothing. Nothing to God because God attaches favor to your name. With faith comes the favor of God. If you study the life of David, you will find that David had been through some pretty rough stuff. He had experienced trouble of every kind. David had walked through some real problems. But his battle for faith let him come to one vital revelation for his life. And he wrote it down in Psalm 23. Surely goodness... And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I am cur- encouraged today by those words surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. I gotta be honest, there's been some times in my life when I needed goodness and mercy to be following me. And if you would be honest with yourself and with God this morning, you would come to that realization also. Mercy here is a covenant word, and it's rendered steadfast love in other places in Scripture. When it's used together here here with goodness, it is a powerful combination because goodness and mercy suggest the steady kindness and support that you can count on in the family or between firm friends. Spurgeon said, he said, do he Excuse me, these twin guardian angels will always be with me at my back and at my beck. He's saying, I can just call them and they'll show up. If they're following far behind, they'll even get a little closer. He says, just as when great princes go abroad, they must not go unattended, so it is with the believer. Goodness and mercy, they follow us this morning. We're never left to our own devices. We're never left by ourselves in this life. Goodness and mercy are always following us. Many saints have been trying just to survive. But I don't think that that is the will of God. I think God doesn't want us to just barely crawl through life and barely survive. God wants you to realize you weren't meant to just survive. You were meant this morning for your life to thrive. This principle is all through Scripture. Daniel was in peril, but you read about it. He was favored. The three Hebrew boys, they had been punished, but you read about the outcome. You see, they were favored. Joseph was thrown into a pit, but you read the back of the book, and you'll find that he was favored. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Peter was in prison, but can I tell you this morning he was favored. Israel was riddled with problems, but I want you to know they were favored. Esther was the target of the enemy's plan, but he was favored. The apostle Paul was persecuted, but yes, he too was favored. Every one of them had reason to think if I could just survive. But that wasn't enough. Every one of them thrived in Scripture. You can study about it. In fact, it would be healthy for you to get in the book and read about it. Let's look at some of the ways that Paul's faith was tested. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, I'm reading from the Amplified. Are they self-proclaimed servants of Christ? I am speaking, uh, I am speaking as if I were out of my mind. I am more so, for I exceed them with far more labors, with far more imprisonments, Beaten times without number and oft in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews thirty nine lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was spent a uh, I have spent adrift at sea, many times in journeys exposed to and danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own countrymen, danger from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger on the sea, danger among the those posing as believers, in labor and hardship, often to sleep and hunger and thirst, often driven to fasting for lack of food and cold exposure without adequate clothing. Besides these external things, there's a daily inescapable pressure of my concern for all the churches. That's quite a list he has here. He was forced to go through some horrific things in his life. And with all of those tough and trying circumstances fresh in his memory, this is what he wrote. Romans 8, 28. And for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. Paul's life experience has caused him to know about the favor of God. Now, I don't want you to mistake what Scripture says. It doesn't say that all things are good. Doesn't say that. Because there are some things that are just rotten, some things that are lousy that we're forced to walk through. But the favor of God begins to work and brings good out of what was meant to be bad. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-10 to 10 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. There's lots of translations. Let me give you the PWL, or the Peter Wayne Long translation this morning. Paul says, I'm troubled but I'm favored. I'm perplexed, but I'm favored. I'm persecuted, but I'm favored. I'm cast down, but I'm favored. I've experienced some lousy things, but I'm favored. And that favor makes all the difference. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Musicians, you can come back. I want somebody to know today that you are not just going to survive. You are going To thrive. As we stand this morning, every one of us that are here today, we could be content to just try to get by, just try to make it to the next day spiritually, to just try to survive when we look at the world around us. But I want you to know you are favored by God. It's time to acknowledge the flourishing favor of God that is upon your life. This is what the scripture says about Israel in Psalm 44 in verse 3. For they got not the land in, in possession by their own sword. Let me read that again. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. Neither did their own arm save them. Well, How did it happen? But thy right hand hand, and thine arm, and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. You see, we understand this morning as a people of God, we are where we are, we are who we are, and we are what we are, only because of the favor of God that works in our life. Proverbs 8, in verse 35, it says, For whoso findeth me, being God, findeth life and shall obtain the favor of the Lord. You see when you found God by virtue of finding him you obtained and you possess the favor of God. And his favor is with you every day always. I mean Israel spent more than 40 years in the wilderness. And not one time was the favor of God absent. We get afraid and we lose faith if we're forced to spend one day in the wilderness at times. Somebody needs to know that God's favor, it'll never leave you. It'll never fail you. It'll never forsake you. Psalm 92 verses 12 through 14, it says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. And there's a line that we're all gonna like at the very end here. They shall be fat and flourishing. I know you didn't wanna hear it this morning, but you're fat. And you're flourishing. And Pastor Long, he's fat and he's flourishing. This is the favor of God in our life. You know what that means? That's talking about the excess that's on our life, the overflow of God's blessing in our life. It makes us bigger than we ought to be. It makes us see further than we ought to be able to see. It makes us pray bolder than we ought to be able to pray. His favor is all over your life this morning. So as we open the altars this morning, there's three things that I want you to do for pastor this morning and for yourself. First of all, I want you to acknowledge the favor of God that is on your life. God has favor for your life this morning. And next, I want you to accept that favor. Receive it. Let it begin to work in your life. And then, lastly, act like it. Every time we come into the house of God, we ought to act like the favor of God is on us. The, pe- the preacher shouldn't have to get up and pump it and prime it. You ever been to a dry well? You got to pump that pump for a while, Brother John, before, it, before the water starts running. It shouldn't be like that in Pentecost. We are fat and we are flourishing with the blessing of God. He's worked on our life. He's favored us. He's blessed us. And even what's wrong, God is working for good. So come this morning and acknowledge it and accept it and then act like it. Let's sing.